you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah. Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by Zaxby's DJ and Bucky back together. First of all, Buck, I missed you yesterday on the uh, on the pod when we didn't get a chance to, to have you on there. We had some technical difficulties, which is where we are in 2020. Yeah, we had some issues. We had some issues, uh, I guess, with my internet night coming up. But uh, hopefully everything is resolved. Uh, we were able to go on some other network shows and kind of get it done. So hopefully that won't be an issue going forward because there were some little nuggets I wanted to drop yesterday. But we're I know, done. man. I, I, I'm, but we're going to get to uh, the bulk of the podcast. Going to look at that Chiefs-Ravens, the play of Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. What does that mean? What did we see? Uh, what does that mean going forward? Uh, we want to talk a little bit about um, some interesting comments that Larry Fitzgerald made on the Huddle and Flow podcast with our buddies uh, Trotter and Weich uh, about the lack of fans and the impact that has on offenses. So we're going to touch on that. And I want to get into some of these college kids and what we saw over the weekend and um, maybe a trend, how things have changed in the eyes of uh, evaluators as it pertains to a certain style of quarterback. But before we get to all that stuff, Buck, I want to give you the floor to, uh, to get out what you wanted to get out yesterday. 
No, the, the big thing, I think, DJ, like, and it, this will apply because we're going to talk about those quarterbacks, but I think the Josh Allen conversation is really interesting, and it's interesting to watch him perform, right? Because when you look at the numbers, the numbers are extending, and when you watch him play, he goes through these moments. I kind of call it the Josh Allen experience. He starts out hot, he loses his way, he finds his way, and he wins a game with a game-winning drive. And I think the thing about Josh Allen, because I see this kind of floating out on Twitter, is like, hey, I don't understand why people want to admit that they were wrong on him or whatever. And I don't think it's about admitting whether you're right or wrong on Josh. I think it's being able to evaluate him where he is now and the job that the Buffalo Bills have done to really help him. He has improved a lot because he doesn't make as many what I call hero throw attempts as he does, but each and every week, one or two of those show up. And right now, this year, the opponent has been dropping him, so he hasn't had the turnovers. Um, he is much better when it comes to the accuracy that he's displayed, but some of that is tied to the fact that the Buffalo Bills aren't pushing the ball down the field as much as they were when he first got into the league. The offense has a little more of a quick rhythm um, feel to it, so it's a lot more quick game things that are kind of catch it, get it out, and allow him to kind of eat up those yards when people are backing up. And then he has improved when it comes to his deep ball accuracy. Here's what I will say about him when it comes to throwing the deep ball. It is easy for him. It's so easy for him that sometimes he may take a little steam off the ball and sometimes it's underthrown. But there is no doubt that he can make the defense defend every area of the field. And with Stephon Diggs coming over, uh, Stephon Diggs and John Brown, they are now able to really push the ball down the field. And then the final point I'll make about Josh Allen, um, he has really leaned into the running uh, ability, the running part of his game. And that's something that I don't think we necessarily saw at Wyoming. We saw him scramble and run around, but they have utilized him as a runner, and he has embraced it and those things. And when he was drafted or when uh, we connected Buffalo to Josh Allen, I said that I felt like the Buffalo Bills were getting Cam Newton light, meaning a talented athletic playmaker who had uh, a big arm, and they would figure out a way to kind of put things around him to succeed. And I think through three years, we're now seeing that fully bake out and that is why he's playing at a high level, even an MVP level, based on the success that the Buffalo Bills have had. Yeah, I, I said it yesterday. To me, it was a combination of he, he's always had the talent, right? With the, the size, the arm strength, the athletic ability, those kind of baseline traits that you want. Had all that. But I think now the two other T's. So if you had the talent, I thought we're seeing now some touch, which you mentioned. He's throwing with more touch. Not everything's a fastball. He's showing he can layer the football, which is a great sign. But more than anything else, I think it's just trust. You know, a lot of big arm throwers, um, they, they aren't anticipation throwers. They never had to be, not since they were in high school. They didn't have to be in college. In the NFL, I don't care how big your arm is, there's still moments where you, you've got to throw with anticipation. And I think there was, a, there was a throw in the middle of the field of Stephon Diggs in that game where the ball was out before he, got, he turned his head around. And I'm like, okay, that's new. I haven't seen that much from Josh Allen. That shows me some growth there. And I think a lot of it has to do with you're trusting the guys that you have around you, that we both see the same things, um, that I trust where you're going to be, uh, when you're supposed to be there. And, and to me, that's a big part of it. So when you've got tight ends and you've got receivers that you truly trust, um, I think that's helped lead to uh, a big improvement in the anticipation there from Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a significant improvement. And I, and I think this team is really built. It was weird how they, they lost their way a little bit against the Rams. But this team is, is, is perfectly designed for him to have success. Um, 
the running back in the backfield, Devin Singletary, is fantastic um, in space. He makes people miss. They've done a really good job surrounding him with three receivers that have different skills, but it really works. Cole Beasley does the, the dirty work over the middle. Stefan Diggs is the unquestioned number one receiver. And then John Brown is the vertical threat. And each of those guys has the ability to make plays with their arm. Offensive line is solid. And then the defense has been a very, very solid unit, um, you know, for most of his time there. And so he has been in, enabled to, like, just kind of grow in front of us. And I think the big thing would be, um, and we're going to talk about Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes in these shootouts. The big thing would be how does Josh Allen perform when it is a shootout versus another top-notch quarterback? Because a lot of times those games come down to quarterback play. Can he outplay an elite quarterback in a shootout that takes place uh, down the stretch or in the postseason. It's, it's going to lead us right into the conversation about the game last night because when I, I look at the play style, I know that it's it's a little bit different, but the overall philosophy, I think, with the Ravens and the Bills, and it's it's kind of funny because the Ravens, where I came from, and the Bills, who are, have all the Carolina Panther guys that you worked with, so we both can kind of speak to this, and the good teams you had in Carolina, the good teams that I was around in Baltimore, the way I wrote down their their philosophy is big play bullies. So it's bully ball. It's that physical mentality mm-hmm. of bullies. But you now you add the big plays um, to go along with that. And we're seeing that in Buffalo. When the Ravens are going well, that's what they're doing. They're beating you up, beating you up, and then big plays. So that to me is like that. That's kind of that uh, philosophy of football. I'm going to coin there is big play bully ball. That's kind of what you see mm-hmm. from those teams. Yeah, no, it's it's funny that you say that, but I, you know, and as we get into it, I think the thing for Buffalo and everybody else is you have to understand that that is your identity and your identity can't change. Now, there's a a narrow path to victory when you kind of play that way, because it is predicated on your ability to bully the other team at the point of attack with the running game and control it. And you need the game to be at a certain point, meaning You have to stay in range to continue to be able to play like that. When you get out of range, it forces you to abandon that. And that is when these That's what we saw last night. That's what we saw last night. Yeah. These style quarterbacks, they don't play their best when they're having to do it all of the time. And so it's one of those things that we all have to watch and be mindful of when we get into these big games. And that's why I'm really fascinated by the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots, because everyone is talking about the Bills being the team in the AFC East. And those games will come down to Josh Allen playing against Cam Newton, which quarterback is going to be at his best on those days. Um, can't wait to see how that plays out. Well, I know you ran the 100, Buck. What other races did you run in track? Uh, I ran the 100 and the 200. And okay. I was did a, you ever run the uh, four? I was a jumper. You know, a lot of four by one relays, stuff like yeah. that. Because I'm trying to think of like the race to like uh, the 400 to me. Maybe, yeah, I guess mm-hmm. the 400 it's or the a sprint. Yeah, so, it's, a, it's a sprint. But, but, but it's, do you it's, see it's it when you, watch those, when you watch those races, though? There's the two different styles, right? Some guys will just try and blow your doors off at the front and cruise to the finish line. And then other guys kind of save their kick. And mm-hmm. then they'll be able to, to, to finish and pass guys coming down the home stretch. I almost think like these offenses that we're talking about in Buffalo and in Baltimore, like they got to get out to the they got to get out to the lead, man. They've got to sprint around that first turn and then they can yeah. kind of cruise and glide down the down the finish. But if they if somebody gets out on them, I, I don't like I don't like where they're positioned to come. Now, back. You know, like and also like the, the thing about that is, can you stick to the plan? Um, can you stick to the plan when you are a bully ball team and you do fall behind 10 points? 
Can you yeah. still stay committed to, hey, we're going to play our style, and eventually the game will turn where we'll get back on track. And a lot of that is having the blind faith in your defense that the defense, they're going to get enough stops where we can continue to stubbornly stick with this bully ball, big play style. Uh, when you lose confidence in your defense being able to get stops, then you begin to lose yourself and start throwing the ball all over the yard without play action. You just kind of in a drop back contest. And that's not the contest that either one of these guys, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and a handful of other quarterbacks, they don't want to be in the, oh, they must throw and they must throw off drop back type game. Yeah. Yeah, and I can already hear the Buffalo Bills. We just came back and beat the Rams. Now, look, you were leading that whole game. Then you had to come back and chase one score. We're talking about being down, find yourself down 10, 14, 17 you know, points yeah, and early like, in a game. It's yeah, different. And, and I know because this is going to be uh, misconstrued like on the thing. I want to clearly state Josh Allen is playing at an MVP level. The stuff that mm-hmm. he's doing is absolutely fantastic. The Buffalo Bills are averaging more points than they've ever averaged in franchise history. And that's saying a lot from the K-Gun era when Jim Kelly led them the four consecutive Super Bowls. The thing that we're trying to do is long-term, when we think about the best teams in the AFC and it comes down to the quarterback, is this team constructed to play from behind? Because the best teams, like we saw it, the Kansas City Chiefs, they are a pitcher with a bunch of different uh, pitches in the repertoire. Yep. They can play fast. They can play slow. They can grind it if they need to with the running backs. They can play up-tempo and really get you behind by going after the big plays. And so that gives them more opportunities or, or different ways to win. And, I, I mean, everybody else, when we look at the AFC, they, they kind of have to play one style. And if they get off the track, it's hard for them to kind of switch speeds and play another style. Yeah, no, it is interesting. And watching that game last night, I was reminded that in doing the study for the Chiefs as you get ready to play the Chargers, doing those Charger games, I, I looked at him like, you can't blitz Patrick Mahomes. Like, it doesn't work. He sees it, and he's got too many options. They don't keep guys in. They get guys out, and he knows where all the answers are. So it, just don't do it. You've got to be – the formula is there. You've got to rush mm-hmm. for – you've got to keep the ball in front of you. You've got to rally and tackle, play great red zone defense. And I thought the Ravens last night was kind of a commitment to, look, this is what we do. We're mm-hmm. going to be exotic. We're going to throw all these blitzes at you. And it's like, it doesn't work. He, he, he eats those blitzes up, and he ate them up last night. It was just, it was stealing for him when they sent pressure. And I, I, he welcomes it. He, he's daring you to do it. Come on, bring some more guys. Leave, leave, leave yourself naked in the back end and see what happens. Yeah, no, that's, that's the thing. And I think you really hit on something. Obviously, you see it because the Chargers have played the Chiefs better than anybody else. And what the Chargers have done or what I believe the Chargers do is, look, man, you can have all that you want from 20 to 20. You can have all those little nickel and dime. But when it gets to the 20 and the field becomes a 30-yard field, this is when we tighten up and the windows shrink. And we're going to force you to take the check down and see if you're disciplined enough to continue to take the check downs. And if we can get threes, we can force you to take threes while we get sevens, we're going to win. And I think that is the game. Hey, you can have all that you want from 20 to 20. We're going to focus on keeping the ball in front and really bogging down and dominating you with the umbrella coverage in the red zone and make Pat Mahomes throwing the tight windows in the red zone. He has been phenomenal, but that is the best course of action to take against a quarterback that, look, I know everyone is ready to hand Russell Wilson the MVP. Hold off, man. Number 15 has a lot to say about that. 
And the thing that I give him the most credit for is that he found, again, I talk about great quarterbacks find answers. You present them with problems, the great ones provide answers. And when you do want to rush for and play coverage, one of the things he gets frustrated a little bit early on and then this little switch goes off in his mind goes oh yeah i got these i got these two legs i can go ahead and i can go <laughs> yeah. ahead and use those a little bit and then and you see big third down conversions with his legs i've seen it a bunch uh saw it a bunch against charter saw it last night uh once uh, where he took off and took those free yards with his legs so he's still gonna again you're gonna he's gonna get first downs you can't be obsessed with first downs give up first downs all day long you just can't give up touchdowns you got to limit that and if you're keeping that team if you can keep that team under 28 points it's on your offense to go out there um and, and get the job done but i've to me that's the goal with the chiefs when you play them seven a quarter if you can keep them to seven a quarter that gets you to 28 and you need your offense to go out there and score one more than 28 to, to win a game and last night the ravens couldn't do that no, they couldn't do it. And he, here's the thing about, like, the Chiefs, because I still believe the Chiefs are very vulnerable against the run. Uh, the problem is you have to be able to stay close enough with your defense to yeah. allow you to kind of pound on them with the running game. Uh, I mean, we, we saw that. Now, it didn't work out for the Tennessee Titans and other teams, but Tennessee Titans in the playoffs last year, being able to run the football and kind of muscle and slow the game down and do so some of those things. But they really couldn't were, get stops. That was the problem. They couldn't get stops on the other could, side. Could, you, can't, you can't get stops, and eventually, man, you, have, you give it back to them, and they go. And I'm going to say this, and I know the comparison has been made, but really when you look at the Chiefs, they are very similar to Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors with Patrick Mahomes playing the role of Steph Curry. The energy from that team comes from Pat Mahomes making a big play. It is very similar to when Steph Curry would hit a big three-point shot. And if he hits them in succession, away they go. And so for the Chiefs, man, they live off the big play. So the way that you take that away, man, take the three away, make them drive to the cup. Make them run the ball, make Pat Mahomes run it, Make Andy Reid be okay giving the, the ball off to Clyde Edwards-Alar and Pat Mahomes scrambling. So if we talk about a rush four, drop seven, rush three, drop eight, I think you have to live in that world because you can't, you can't out big play the Kansas City Chiefs. You have to make them nickel and dime. You just have to hope that it's a day that Pat Mahomes is off and he may give you one or two because he gets frustrated trying to force the ball into coverage. Yep, and one of the other things I love about that Chiefs offense is Sometimes you look at, um, you know, you've you've got receiver routes, tight end routes, running back routes. Not with the Chiefs, the whole world is open to all of them. When you've got run it, when you've got, I mean, think about that. Like as yeah. as a linebacker preparing for a game, and you're like, okay, I've got to worry about the 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 swing, the flat, and and the angle route, the little Texas route. Like I got three routes I got to work on. Maybe they'll run one wheel every four weeks, right? With the Chiefs, I got to worry about him lining, running slants, goes, uh, double moves, corners. I mean, I got I, you have to defend so much more, and so, so it, to me, it just yeah. opens it just opens everything up. It do, it does, and and what's great about them? And I was listening to the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick had his press conference today, and he was talking about the Chiefs, and he was like, they have core concepts. Uh, they have five that they like to get out. You always refer to like five out in the route, and he said yep. the thing about it is not about them necessarily playing matchups or, oh, they feed Kelsey or they feed Hill. He's like, the concepts, the concepts of what they, they change up the concepts. Uh, they change up the people in the concepts, but it's the same routes. But yeah. one week it could be Tyreek Hill lined up at wide receiver three, running the deep over the next time. It could be Travis Kelsey lined up at number three out of a regular trips look with Tyreek Hill on the backside. They run the same plays over and over. They just change 
who is aligned in different spots. And it, I mean, it boggles your mind because if I'm playing man, now I'm in an unfamiliar situation because I'm a linebacker playing Travis Kelsey all the way out wide. If I'm in zone, now I have all of these open voids and I got Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins and Miko Hartman running free in these zones. I go man to man, they go to their shallow cross game and these guys are flying across the field like road yeah. runners and you just can't keep up. It is really the perfect video game offense and... DJ, you've seen it. The best team to slow them down has been the Chargers being able to keep them in front. But then some of that I wonder, like this was a big game on a big stage, a Monday night game. Yeah. I think their antennas were up to kind of let everybody know, like, yeah, we're, we're still the champs. Yeah. No, they did. And we flip it over and we go to Baltimore. Um, you know, they, you know, Nabil put the stat on here where the Lamar's uh, over the largest deficit he's ever overcome was eight. But I don't know that that's fair because they're not ever down. I mean, outside mm-hmm. of the Chiefs, they blow the doors off just about everybody else they play since Lamar Jackson's been there. So I don't I don't read as much into that. But I will say the difference in this game is if you turn up the temperature and heat up Patrick Mahomes, that's that's a that's a death wish. When you heat up the temperature on Lamar Jackson, I've seen Lamar have some success at times, but I've also teams get to him, uh, seen teams get to him. And I thought, I think Greasy might have said it in the broadcast last night, but it was evident. When pressure when pressure's on Mahomes, his eyes never drop. Mm-hmm. When Lamar gets under pressure, he not only does he look to escape and to run, but his, his head just drops, his eyes drop, and he loses vision. That, to me, was one of the main differences in that game last night is he, didn't have the, he did not take advantage of some of the pressure looks that he saw where Patrick Mahomes took advantage of every single one. Yeah, no, I think it's a huge issue, and I think it's a huge issue with Lamar. And I think um, these two guys have to be mentioned in the same breath, but we have to do the conversation differently. Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson are – are tied at the hip because it's play caller and playmaker. And so they have to work together to make sure that the offense runs. We're going to focus on the playmaker first and the play caller after that. So with Lamar Jackson, one of the things that we saw going all the way back to Louisville is he is a guy that does his best work when it comes to throwing inside the numbers. He is a guy that is better throwing things that kind of cross his face inside the numbers, working on end breaking routes, slants, digs, seams, posts. Those are his best throws. Those are the four throws that if we did the the heat map on what Lamar Jackson does really well, it are all those end-breaking things. Things that he's not great at, he's not great pushing the ball to the boundary outside the numbers. So your deep comebacks, your deep outs, things that are thrown along the Even goes. He had an underthrown go last night that should have been picked. Yeah, those are, are not the thing. And so what good teams do as you put more stuff on tape, they began to defend you to take away those things. So, hey, let's jam the middle of the field. So if we're playing man coverage, let's drop a lurk defender right in the middle to take away all those things and to cloud those lanes. Or if we're playing zone, let's play more of a a three-deep zone to take everything inside away and force you to, to make those reads that push the ball towards the boundary. There's a bunch of different ways that you can do it. The thing that the Kansas City Chiefs also do is they come at you and... I would give Spags a ton of credit because they went zero kind of, like four plays in a row last night. Yeah, he he's the kind of play caller that is very com- confusing to play against because he'll throw all kinds of cover zero hits, zone blitz pressures, man blitz pressures, true traditional zone, and then they'll do some bracket coverage. That's a lot for a young quarterback to process. And because they know, and, and DJ, it, it, it'd be like if you and I are playing together, if I know that on offense – that you're going to give me 30 points. Well, now I can I can be like, hey man, we gave up one. 
but I know my offense will get it back. That frees you as a defensive play caller to really just go after because the head coach is like, hey, if we give up one, that's fine, but let's be crazy aggressive going after the Baltimore Ravens. And they were because they know their deep, their offense can score 30 points on anybody. That changes your mentality when you're playing defense with the lead, also knowing that I got 30 points in the bank. I just had this image in my mind. Do you remember? Did you, ever, did you go to like Chuck E. Cheese when you were a kid? <laughs> yeah. You know where they had the little games in there? You remember Whack-A-Mole? Yes. With a little mole pat, 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 pat. So yep, yep. That to me is Patrick Mahomes versus the Blitz. So Patrick Mahomes versus the Blitz, you don't know where it's coming from. It pops up, boom, boom, boom. He, he hits every single one of them. He would have been awesome in whack-a-mole. Like, you could be coming off the boundary. You could be coming from depth. You'd be sending an overload blitz, just whack, 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 whack. He'd be, he'd be the best whack-a-mole player of all time. Yeah, because that is it. Because he has all the answers. And the defense that the Ravens play is a bit like that because – uh, for those who didn't understand what they were talking about on the broadcast, they talked about pressure and then simulated pressure. Simulated pressure is a, a four-man rush, seven guys dropping, but the reason it's called simulated is because it looks like it may be a blitz, meaning they may have three defenders down or multiple guys standing up, and they're all hovering around the ball. And when it is the pre-snap part of it, it looks like there could be five or six guys coming. Post-snap, only four guys come. And sometimes it may be a safety. They drop out a defensive lineman. And so it looks like a zone blitz, but really it's just a regular traditional zone. Well, the the thing about that, like it's great in theory, but if your quarterback has a handle on what you're doing, he finds the open windows. And what we're seeing from Pat Mahomes is you talked about whack-a-mole. He was like, oh, okay, Deshaun Elliott, you're coming? Cool, I'm going to go here. Yep. He, for whatever reason, somehow he's been able to really figure that out. And I think what a lot of us miss in the evaluation when he was coming out. We just didn't know what that that IQ Q was in oh, terms of the awareness and those things. So because, dang smart, man. Yeah, because it was, I mean, four-wise, it was three-by-one, two-by-two, and empty. They didn't do traditional stuff. And so you're like, well, how much does he know? How much is he going to be able to process? Now, when he came in and visited, and we were able to talk to him, and we got yeah. a sense of his recall and his awareness and his ability to pull back these plays and vividly describe what he saw, that's when the light was like, ooh. Because that's stuff that you can't gleam off tape. Like the conversation was eye-opening. I think we're seeing that play out. Back to Lamar, though. Um, I think some of the concern with Lamar, even when he was coming out of Louisville, was he's such a talented athlete and playmaker that he's never necessarily had to be tied to the pocket and maybe mastered those skills to being a surgeon from the – the pocket. And to this credit, the Baltimore Ravens have never consistently been in a position where they've had to put him in that. They're always dictating the term. So I, I saw the stat where we talked about he's 0 and 8, 0 and 9 after halftime. But they also have been up at halftime in 22 of his 24 starts. Yeah. 25 starts. So I think that I think that number, by the way, the 0 and 9 number, which got circulated a bunch, that's includes Baltimore. some Joe Flacco. That, so it's not, that's just yeah, since that's Lamar Baltimore. got there. Flacco started a bunch yeah. of those games. Yeah. Yeah. So like, He's always played from a hit. And so that's that's the thing. And how do you work on playing from behind when you're never behind? I think they have to always play from a hit. And this gets me to Greg Roman. I think this shows up. It showed up last year, and I think it continues to show up in some of these bigger games. I think what happens in these big games, because it happened in Tennessee, they tend to deviate away from who they are. I saw it against the Chargers in the playoffs two years ago. 
they, they every time every time they drop back, Buck. Every time every time Lamar is not involved in some type of mesh action, you're up in the you like exhale. You go, oh man, thank goodness. Okay, they're going to drop back and throw it. Yeah, they they get away from they get away from the style that really makes them a fear team. They are feared because of Lamar Jackson being a dynamic runner. The way they incorporate two and three tight ends into the mix, the read option game, and their ability to throw play action passes deep down the field. That is what really makes the Ravens um, a feared unit. The more that they go what I call spread tax with three and four wide receivers on the field, the more I believe they play into the hands of the opposition. I believe they need to continue to play, as you said, like bully ball with big plays. They just have to stick to it because the game, when they were running the ball, even in the third quarter, the game came back to them. They were having opportunity. Now, they needed a defensive stop, but the game came back to them. They have to just continue to be mindful of who they are and stick to their identity. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think they could beat a bunch of teams in this league throwing the ball 10 times. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think they'd win a ton of games just because their run game is so difficult. And then, and then because of the, of the volume of running you would do, you, you'd, be, you'd have 10 completions for freaking you know, 250 yards because all those completions would be Hollywood Brown on top mm-hmm. of coverage with huge, huge plays. Um, but, and, and I, I do want to acknowledge, look, I, we talked about Lamar's struggles outside the numbers coming out of Louisville. He's gotten better. He's gotten mm-hmm. better in those areas. He got better last year. I think he was better earlier this year. There's something he's really worked on. But in, in that game last night, you saw some of those issues kind of, uh, uh, rear their head a little bit, just not being able to accurately drive the ball outside the numbers showed up. Yeah, it, it, it shows up and it's one of those things they have to continue to address, but I don't think there's a, a cause for panic or concern in Baltimore. I mean, I know they made this out to be a big game and I know they really wanted to show off on the national stage. It didn't work out. Um, styles make fights and this isn't a, a, the matchup is just bad. Like years ago, the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't necessarily match up well with the new England Patriots for whatever reason, their styles of play just didn't align. And so it makes it challenging. I think they have to continue to work on uh, a plan that will eventually enable them to beat the Kansas city chiefs. But you're right, DJ, they're going to be one of those teams that, could and should be one of the last ones standing in the tournament. They have to resolve their way or the approach that they take with the Kansas City Chiefs because right now, 0-3 against the Chiefs in the last couple of years, they have to find a way to kind of close the gap on them. Because I, I tweeted out, this looks like a fight between a heavyweight and a middleweight. Like the Kansas City Chiefs just, whenever they want to, they know they can score, they know they can attack, and they go into attack mode. I don't know if Baltimore has the same confidence. All right, Buck, let's, uh, let's change the topic here for a second because I heard this quote um, on the Huddle and Flow podcast with White and Trotter from uh, Larry Fitzgerald about playing without fans and how uh, unique that is. And, uh, well, let's just listen to the bite and we'll react to it. That's, that, that's part of the game. That's what I missed this year with this whole COVID thing. There's just you go into a stadium. And Man, it's so much easier playing now right now, Jeff. Really? Oh, it's so much easier. So I would say – the better team most likely is going to win. The home field advantage means nothing. You know, you go play. I mean, it's no different from like, I can go over here and play in this park or I cross the street and play in the park here. I mean, it's, there's no, there's nothing that's different about it. You know, no silent count. You know, if there's miscommunication, you literally can, the coach could just yell it out to you on the field. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, the speed of the game is still the same, but in terms of just communicating, the pressure is nowhere near as high as it, as it would be with the crowd. You know, there's not as many eyes on you. I think it's way easier for younger players to go out and play now, you know, so it's it's a it's a lot different. Is the energy level as high? 
Oh, the energy, once, you're, once you're playing, there's nothing different. There's not there's nothing different. But you know, if you're one of those guys who has to, you know, get your energy from you know external factors, the crowd, the noise, that stuff, it could be tough to get up. But you know, if you're if you're just intrinsically motivated and just love to compete, it's it's no different than it has ever been. There you go, Buck. What are your thoughts on that one? Man, I, th- I think there's a lot to it, DJ. I mean, you've been you've been in it. You seen you were in the stadium. Like it's different. It's a, it's an empty stadium, and so it does level out the playing field. I would say it becomes almost like those competitive practices that you have, where there's a joint practice uh, against another team, or even those competitive team periods that you have um, team on team, ones versus ones internally. Um, I think if you're ready to go, you can get ready to play, but Man, the communication, being able to talk, being able to say everything, yeah, you've, you've naturally eliminated a lot of what home field advantage brings to you. And we saw it play out Sunday night with the New Orleans Saints and the Green Bay Packers. We all know how loud it is down in that dome and how the dome gives the defense an advantage because now the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, they have to deal with silent counts. The hard count is not as effective because you can't it's drowned out. And so your defense now is playing knowing that they're primarily going to go on first down or on one. So now your pass rushers are in these cat-like stances coming off the ball. All of that stuff kind of adds to it. And then the pressure, when Larry Fitzgerald talks about the pressure, there's a lot of pressure to playing on the road, the noise, mm-hmm. uh, when you give up big plays, the young guys feeling and sensing those moments. Yeah, it's different. So now you take all of that out. Now you just can kind of get into the moment and go play. I think it is uh, one where the better team should win because you don't have the external factors that really impact the game each and every week. There was a player, uh, gosh, I can't, I, I think his name was Larry Brackens, but maybe that's not right. But I think it was Larry Brackens as a receiver that was coming out. This is 15 years ago. and uh, But he had played at a junior college. So I think he had been like a big school recruit. Something happened. He ended up at a junior college and he was entering the draft after having been in a junior college. He was three years removed from high school, so he was eligible. So I remember going back and 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 studying him for the draft. And I you always is you always keep an eye on where guys line up. So I'm like, well, he always lines up on the right side in 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 the in the first and third quarters, and then the second and fourth quarters, he's on the left side. And I, I couldn't and then finally you do all your homework, you figure it out. I was like, no, no, well, he, he, I don't know if he hadn't been there long enough or if he just had struggles learning, but they lined him up next to their home sideline every game. If, he were, if, the, if we're going this way, he was on the right mm-hmm. side. Going that way, he's on the left side because the coach would literally just lean out to the field, LB, you got, you got this. <laughs> just tell him what he's got to do yeah. every single play. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you could do that in the NFL right now with no fans. So, DJ, I, I've, I've done that. Coaching, coaching deep defensive backs in particular, we always would have the young guy aligned on the side closest to the sideline because play <laughs> by play, you always yeah. can tell the corner, hey, here's what we in, here's what we're looking for. And so he never goes. He always stays, <laughs> he always stays near you so you can talk yeah. to him. So, look, I, I'm not surprised to hear that, but I wouldn't be surprised to see teams do that with their young players. Hey, keep them close by so now you can kind of walk them through it, particularly if they have the footwork and the stuff to be able to do it. Like, why why not? This is the advantage that you can take from that. Even, as you said, Larry said, you have miscommunication, being able to call it out. Man, playing fast, calling plays out, just go. Like, you have a chance to do things that you've never been able to do in the pro game because the crowd noise was always a deterrent or a factor. Well, now you can play ball and kind of coach it high school, bitty ball, youth ball, whatever. Like it is literally like 
coaches, coaches on the field, like in Pop Warner games, like being able to give out the instructions. So why not take advantage well, of it? It does lessen some of the pressure on some of the young guys on the field. Yeah, it's it's just different, man. I don't know how else to say it. I think Larry did a good job of explaining that. Just different. Um, all right, Buck, I want to get to this topic here as we, we're getting to the college game here. You brought up this great point about, you know, we, we talk about Patrick Mahomes, the success he's having, Jared Goff, we're seeing what he's doing, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. These guys all played in the quote-unquote air raid offense, which used to be taboo for NFL scouts. It don't have anything to do with the air raid. It doesn't translate. All those numbers are hollow. Um, now you can't say that anymore. And Gardner Minshew is another one. I shouldn't leave him out of the discussion. But with all these air raid quarterbacks having success, what does it mean in the scouting process now? Oh, man, I mean, I think it I think it really helps guys and it helps a guy like K.J. Costello. K.J. Costello throws for 600 plus yards, 623 yards against LSU in his first game in Mike Lee's offense. And the first thing I do, I was like, oh, I got to pay attention. Like K.J. Mm-hmm. Costello is lighting him up and I'm watching the game on the screen. I'm doing my radio show, but I got it on. I'm like, man, this dude is lighting it up. And they only run a handful of concepts, four or five concepts. They dress them up. They do it over and over again. And before we used to kind of dismiss that, like it's, it's too simplistic. You can't really get a real quarterback to execute reads. But then when you see the success, you, you rattle off the list of names, Jared Goff, Kyler Murray, uh, Baker Mayfield, Garner Minshew having success. Uh, everyone that Lincoln Riley has touched has had success in the college game and going on to the pro game. So now you have to pay more attention to it. And then, there's a young kid at Oklahoma who didn't have his best game. He had three turnovers, turned it over. Spencer Rattler, who is one of the more talented quarterbacks that Oklahoma has had, and that includes Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, and those guys. Like He is in the mix in terms of that kind of talent. And so when you're beginning to look at these quarterbacks before, we would ignore all those numbers, particularly from guys that would come from Texas Tech when Graham Harold and all those guys were just putting up these big, extraordinary numbers. Well, now you pay closer attention to him because that success is beginning to translate to performance into the league. And so K.J. Costello made a great decision going from Stanford to Mississippi State and lighting up the defending national champions certainly puts him on the radar. We'll see how he continues to play the rest of the year. I want to revisit something that I said last year that people picked up and treated as if it was a hot take. And I remember I got uh, a text from an NFL receivers coach that said it was it was absolutely not a hot take. It was 100% accurate. Remember last year I said probably two-thirds of the NFL teams would trade their wide receiver core for the LSU or the Alabama wide receiver core? About, oh, this is no, – come on. I'm like, really? You want to talk about that now? Look, look, look at what these dudes are doing. Look at what these dudes are doing in the NFL right now. With Justin Jefferson going for a buck 75. You know Jamar Chase, what well, he's going to be. He's an a- absolute monster. Um, you saw they have Marshall down there, Terrence Marshall at LSU. Yeah. That's a pretty good threesome right there. But then I'm – forget that. Let's go to Alabama and what we've seen from that group. When you look at, at – at, Jalen Waddell, did you see the catch he made in that game yeah. the other day? It's ridiculous. Yeah. You've got Devontae Smith there still with him, and we've already seen Ruggs make some plays for the Raiders. We've seen Judy do his mm-hmm. thing. Like those were last year's LSU and Alabama receiving groups is as good as I've seen, man. No, they're super talented. And not only were they talented, I think the difference with them compared to some others, they could do it all in terms of route running ability. They were on another level. Um, their precision, their polish. Uh, they had all that stuff. They could catch it. They could make plays. They were tough enough, not only as runners, but as blockers on the end. And I think there's also a little humility to them because that wide receiver room at both places, LSU and Alabama, is so competitive that you have to be on your game. You have to be able to um, 
compete and compete at a high level each and every day. And I, I think it's, it's something that there's another receiver that we may end up talking about that was in that Alabama room that transferred and now is at Mississippi State, and that's Terrell Shavers, who's a 6'4", 215-pound beast of a player that was a five-star coming out. He's made his way to Mississippi State, and he started out at Alabama for a couple of years, and he was in that Jeez. room. And so, look, there's just just the rich get richer when it comes to recruiting, and they have been able to really – corner the market on wide receivers because their wide receivers have not only performed well on the collegiate level, but they've gone on to have success in the National Football League. And we saw special years where LSU and Alabama were able to really uh, accumulate a ton of NFL talent, and that talent is playing like we thought they would play based on the recruiting rankings. Yeah, it was fun to watch, man. Alabama, just watching those games on Saturday, flipping channels, they, Alabama on a different level and everybody was playing there. The other, the other takeaway that I had is I know, and our, I, like Joel, our buddy Joel Klatt and, and uh, gosh, Danny Cannell, all these guys, like, they, oh, they kind of make fun of the SEC and they talk about how it's a little bit overrated. And I know some people are going to talk about Mike Leach and what he did, and he took some of these you know, these big 12, Pac-12 type concepts to the SEC and they throw for a billion yards and all that. I'm just going to tell you from the eye test, the athletes that were playing Saturday on the SEC games versus what we've been watching from the big 12 and the ACC over the last couple of weeks, it is not close from an NFL evaluation standpoint. No, it, it is it is different. And I, I know um, you're kind of busy. I'll say, I don't know if you got a chance to catch any of the Florida game, but they got a quarterback, Trask. Oh, yeah. Uh, the tight end. I love Kyler Pitts. Come, uh, oh, Kyle yeah, Pitts that's right. You, summer. You, made a, yeah. Yeah, you, made a, you made a comment about him. Um, you did a first look on my – I saw you yeah. post on your, yeah. your Twitter. He, uh, he, he, he gets down. He's a big-time player. But also, there's a receiver there, Trayvon Grimes, who was maybe the top one or two wide receiver coming out of the country. He comes from St. Thomas Aquinas down there in South Florida, went to Ohio State, uh, something happened there, transfers out, goes back and lands up in Florida, and you see him making plays. And so when we talk about the SEC and why the SEC is a hotbed is because the athletes look different. They're just, they're just different. It's just different, style. Man. It's just a different thing. And you heard K.J. Costello at the end of the game in the interview. He said, look, man, it just means more down here. And mm-hmm. that's a player coming from the Pac-12, jumping into the SEC, having his first game and the experience. And he didn't even get a full SEC experience having to go down to Death Valley with uh, a million folks in the stands and all of that other stuff, people screaming at him, tiger bait and all that, that, that <laughs> stuff, and the cowbells fully going. But, no, it's, it's a different thing, and that's why teams, and we've seen it in the draft, they always are at the top when it comes to the number of guys that are drafted. It's also why typically most teams put their best scouts in that area because there's so much talent. I mean, it is what it is. The SEC is king, and I think everyone in the business and outside of business needs to recognize that. I don't envy coaches in the Pac-12 because I looked around the SEC and I saw, gosh, I don't know, what, four quarterbacks from Southern California playing in the SEC. Uh, and I'm but like, that's good, always luck, been good, luck, good luck, good luck the, keeping those kids here now. Good luck. DJ, that, that's always been the thing that has been lacking in the SEC, right? In the yeah. SEC, because they played um, rock'em, sock'em football, uh, NFL style They've always football. had linemen. Yeah, they've always had those guys, but they never had the quarterback. But now with the national recruiting that people are doing, they're coming out of the Southern California and they're taking these quarterbacks and they're letting them play. I mean, Matt Curl, the, the quarterback from Ole Miss is from California. We've seen KJ Costello, who is right there from Orange County. He is playing JT Daniels. Should get the start Bry- for Bryce Georgia. Young. I mean, Bryce Young. We're seeing more and more of those guys migrate 
to the SEC. And oh, by the way, Clemson has one that we have to count. But yeah, like yeah. that's where it is. Like um, West Coast may not produce the linemen, but they certainly have the quarterbacks, and people are plucking those quarterbacks and they're putting them with SEC programs and they're putting themselves in position to win national championships. I don't blame the kids either. I don't blame the kids for for leaving the area. When you go back there and see the brand of football you can play and get a chance to win a national championship, and the Pac-12 can't get in the playoff. Um, so I, I don't blame those kids at all. Um, all right. Uh, you can stream live local and primetime games for free on your phone and tablet by downloading the NFL app or the Yahoo sports app. Uh, Buck, we've encouraged everybody to leave ratings and reviews on the Apple podcast section. We've got uh, some more submissions on there of the best high school football player you've ever seen. DJ Williams. Um, he was, mm-hmm. was he with MJD at, at, uh, I think he's a little bit behind MJD. De La Salle. Yeah. I okay. think he's a little bit behind linebacker running back. He was a Monster. Yep, big time stud. Julian Fleming, uh, current Ohio State wide receiver. Oh, outstanding! Nope. He was on my he was on really? my team at the. Was Ohio. he really? Ooh, nice. I haven't seen him yet. Yeah, and then uh, and I do remember Noel Devine because his high school tape. He went to yeah. West Virginia running back. He yeah. a little dude, but his high school tape was phenomenal. Yeah, I remember Noel Devine, big time player too. Yeah. So if you haven't done it already, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know the best high school football player you've ever seen. Uh, it's a fun conversation. Inspired by ongoing conversations with players, NFL launched NFL Votes to empower and improve our communities by exercising the right to vote. Uh, join the NFL family by registering to vote today and make your voice heard this November. Visit NFL.com votes to learn more. Anything else you want to add before we get out of here, Buck? No, nah, fantastic episode, man. I love taking those deep dives, uh, particularly after big games where we can talk about two great quarterbacks and Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. No, it's awesome, man. Uh, a lot of fun. Great to have you back as well. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening to Move the Sticks presented by Zaxby's. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.